Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome back to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brendan Bowen, and today I'm joined alongside the man, the myth, the legend, Ed Hunt. And I know uh, it's... We both just came off some pretty, uh, some pretty heartbreaking games on this Sunday morning, Ed. But uh, you know, how how are you feeling after that tough Steelers loss? Man, I'm just not even. <laughs> I don't even want to think <laughs> football right now. But I love football, so I'm still going to. I feel you, bro. You know I, mean? I mean, we both both very heartbreaking losses in very different ways. I mean, you guys go against by far the best team in football, and just puts on an absolute clinic, and then meanwhile, the Browns just find a way to blow the games that are right in their hands, you know, just another one where it's it's given to them, and then they just find the way to lose it. They do exactly what they got to do to lose the game, but, you know, it is what it is. We're on to next week. Those games are over, but, you know, Ed, there's yeah. a big... It, <laughs> it's hard it, it's, to forget. It's, <laughs> it's hard to it's, forget that game. It's tough, man. It's tough. But, you know, like we talked about last week, I think it was nice for you guys to get Kenny Pickett's feet wet. And you know, this was definitely an opportunity to show him what, you know, the real NFL is about. So I think it's nice that he's finally able to get in there, even though it was it was an ugly one. But, uh, Ed... You you had an opportunity to uh, have a have a college football debate. These first two segments of our show today are going to be college football, and uh, we were able to get a little bit of a debate between the Ohio State superstar C.J. Stroud and the Kentucky superstar Will Levis. So uh, you're, you did that part with John Vogel, so we're going to have that segment coming up on the show here in a second. Super excited to hear what you guys were able to talk about and what your opinions on both of the guys are. So without any further ado, we're going to bring John onto the show and let Ed and John take over. Hey, how is everyone doing today? So John and I uh, scheduled a little debate debate about uh, which player we like better, whether it's CJ Shroud from Ohio State or Will Levis from Kentucky. And John thinks that he's going to go in the top 10, and I think he's a late first rounder, Will Levis from Kentucky. So we're going to have a little debate today. So why don't we start it off? One thing I've learned about negotiating, John, is that you always let your opponent make the first move. So I'm going to let you make the first move and start it off. Okay, okay. <laughs> Business 101 right here. <laughs> All right, cool. So, yeah, so this is – it's it was really interesting. I think this kind of started off um, when I think I had said something. I texted something to you about it. I was like, I think I like Will Levis more than I like C.J. Stroud. And you're like, let's debate it. Okay, so that's how we set this. And – the, we we had the previous discussion about C.J. Strout and uh, in one of these episodes, I guess it was last month, and we talked about, I talked about my concerns with C.J. and how there are some things about him that I'm still not 100% sold on. Uh, you know, some of the mechanics that he has, especially in his lower body, and I wonder how his uh, game is going to translate to an NFL scheme. And so, I've watched Will Levis, I go, Levis... You know, he had all that hype coming out of uh, when he transferred over to Kentucky last year in the offseason. And I saw the hype, and I was just kind of, eh, this is probably, it is what it is, right? I went back and watched him at Penn State in 2020, and it was, the tape there was just kind of, okay, he's a guy, he can kind of run the ball, he's got a little bit of an arm, but he never really used it. 
he was more just running. He had to start a couple games. Uh, Sean Clifford was hurt in 2020 during the COVID year. So when you get down, I, I wasn't impressed with him. But last year, watching, you know, when he played for Kentucky, he had Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator who came over from the Rams that year. It was a great NFL scheme, very much in that Kyle Shanahan type style of West Coast. And he was doing he played really, really well. And I guess I was sitting there watching him uh, this weekend against Ole Miss. And I was three, four, five plays in after watching all the tape and studying some of his games this year and all this and that about him. Uh, it was about three, four plays into the game where I'm watching him. I'm like, I'm sold. And it's because he is a Shanahan-style quarterback. He has a great arm. And he's mobile enough. He's got a big body. He's kind of built right in between that mold of where Jalen Hurts is and Josh Allen. And I I think that an NFL team's going to look at this guy. They're going to – if they think he can mesh with their locker room, they're going to take him uh, top 10. That's my presenting argument. Okay. So I, I, think, I think there's a couple things – that uh, I, I want to mention that I see in the tape um, that kind of go against what you're saying. Um, number one, I think the one thing that really stood out to me when I was watching the tape is he really needs that gunslinger mentality. I think he's very conservative. Like, I think he plays in a very conservative offense. Like, yes, the name that came up for me, the, the name that came up for me is I they're not the same. I'm not saying this is Kirk Cousins, right? Like, I, I'm not saying this is Kirk Cousins, but the name Kirk Cousins came in my mind while I was watching his tape. Um, the other thing about him is his internal clock, right? Mm-hmm. Like, internal clock is very important for that conservative offense, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying he's Brady, but I'm saying he might play in an offense like Brady has played in. And I think his internal clock needs to be faster. I think he holds the ball too long. I think he needs to be quicker with his decisions. I I think he can kind of I think he can kind of hold on to the ball, and then he kind of has to make that like amazing, you know, absolute Josh Allen play, right? Like you know what I mean? We use the name Josh Allen, but he's not he's not uh he's not there yet. I I just think I just think he, you know he has the talent there, but. I think he needs to kind of make it easier for himself and kind of make his quicker decisions, make his reads quicker. Yeah, I, and I think all that's fair, right? Because when you're taking, when you're taking a quarterback, Will Levis, like Will Levis, it's going to be a hundred percent projection, right? You're not gonna, you're not taking this guy because you think that he is a top five, ten, fifteen, twenty quarterback right now. You're betting on it, taking the tools, and building on it. If you look at the last several drafts, right? The you go back to really goes back to 2013. You had EJ Manuel is the is the only draft that was anything like the 2022 class, right? 2022 is an exception. Throw that class out. But in the last 7-8 years, teams have continually overdrafted quarterbacks because they're betting on that projection. So, great think about the 2018 class for example. You're talking about how great that quarterback class was going to be. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. And all these quarterbacks go in the top 15. And they're betting on them taking those raw tools and projecting forward and saying, and once we get around to a fifth-year option, these team, these guys are going to be ready to play. They're going to be great quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen hit, right? He had all the raw tools. He was a very raw prospect when he went seventh overall. He didn't look like a guy, you know, a lot of people 
myself included, up until about his. No, I, I hundred percent, I, I hundred percent agree. He was a very, very raw prospect, hundred percent. Yeah, and when when he We're on the same when page. he came out, I was I I saw people talking first round. I was not buying it until I saw his pro day after the combine, and it was because he had cleaned up a lot of those issues. And taking great strides in his mechanics, in his footwork, feet, you know, the feet, lower body, everything was looked so much better. And I realized that's why they're taking him first in the first round. Because this is a guy who has a cannon of an arm. He can move. He's a big body. So he has the raw tools. And they were betting on him taking that that next step and developing all of the finer things. And so if, if you're going to take Will Levis, that's what you're betting on. You're betting on Will Levis taking all those steps forward. And going back to my point where quarterbacks are drafted or continually overdrafted in the first round, Trey, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, right now, I mean, Lance is still kind of a question mark because of the injury this year, and we hope he recovers and comes back in full form. But those guys went in the top three picks 100% based on projection. Like, when you put on, like, Zach Wilson was a second-round guy coming out of BYU. He had issues with some of his processing and decision-making, and he relied too much on his legs to get outside of the pocket. You still see it a little bit. Has he shown good flashes? Yes. Is he still inconsistent? Yes. And Trey Lance was the same sort of thing, where, you know, he was running a very pro-style, an an old, ancient pro-style offense with one-two receiver route concepts a lot of the time off of play action. But when I look at Levis, yeah, I'm not saying that he is a bona fide quarterback at this point. And, yeah, I think – but I, I look at this guy and I believe in him as a dude who's going to put in the work, he's going to refine all that stuff, and he's going to come back stronger than he was before. So I, I'm in agreement with you. Do, do you think maybe, like, if you're a GM, you, you go with a situation where you have a quarterback – but you maybe like a Jordan Love type of thing. Is this is this maybe like you? I mean, I, I think he's going to be better than Jordan Love as an NFL quarterback. But do you think maybe you take him with that kind of situation where you have a quarterback, but you need a quarterback of the future? Yeah, if he slides to the end of the first round, you have to, you have to take him. You and know what I'm saying? The, if you're the Packers, do you pull the trigger? If if That's... if you if, if you're the Packers, do you pull the trigger if he's there? I mean, like, do you say, hey, like, Jordan Love, uh, you know, we appreciated it, but maybe you're not the guy for us, you know what I mean? Maybe maybe they trade Jordan Love and, you know, Will Levis becomes your backup, right? I hate going on record with these kind of things because I'm not a GM, <laughs> but... Yeah, no, no, no. But I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, if you're in the GM chair, right? Like, just what we are thinking right now. And I look, I, I understand. I've been doing this for a while. Like, things change, right? Like, things change. But I'm just saying, like, if if you're if you're the Packers GM right now, are you thinking maybe, hey, you know, if he's there in the first round, I'm gonna I'm gonna evaluate this kid, and I'm gonna really seriously think about on draft day taking him in the first round if he's there, because you know the Packers are gonna be good, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The Packers are going to have a good record, right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, like, if, if, if Will Levis is there, I mean, do you, do you pretty much tell your tell your staff, like, hey, if Will Levis is there, we're taking him, right? Like, he's 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 the he's the he's the next thing after Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think if – I think personally, yeah, I would – if I'm the Packers – if I'm sitting in the Packers general manager chair right now, I'm kind of assessing this entire situation with uh, Aaron not really playing at top form right now. 
it looks like he's taken a step back this year, especially when, if you've watched the last couple of games when they played Tampa and they played uh, New England. You're not seeing the same old Aaron Rodgers. Now, is that because he's getting old? That could be it. Is that because he's done a lot of off-the-field type, you know, podcasts and he's he's been talking a lot about different stuff and maybe his preparation's not the same as it was before? I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying maybe that's something because that's something new from Aaron that we're not really used to seeing. Um, I don't know. But I, I'm kind of – if I'm the Packers general manager – Am I, am I sure Aaron Rodgers is back next year? Am I taking Will Levis because I need a quarterback? And, yeah, I don't think Jordan Love is the answer. I, I think that's been pretty well figured out at this point because it's been three years now and we haven't seen anything from this guy. I mean, he could be my number three if he wants to be my number three slash, you know, I, I maybe trade him if I acquire Will Levis. But I'm saying if I'm the Packers and I know I'm a franchise that can't go without a quarterback – that Will Levis might be the guy I go with first. You know what I mean? And yeah. maybe in the second round, then I'm thinking maybe <laughs> get a receiver, get a receiver in the second round, get a receiver in the third round. You know what I mean? That's that's the way I think. Right? Yeah, it, the that's the right. problem is they just spent a second and a fourth this past year getting receivers. And their second round pick goes and drops his first target, which is going to be a touchdown. You know, and are you talking about Dubs? Dobbs? Uh, that, that'd be Watson. Dobbs from, um... Yeah, Watson went in the second round. Oh, okay. And Watson, see, that was the funny thing about him, too, was uh, they just – he had hand issues at North Dakota State. I think his uh, – in the spring season, his drop target – his drop percentage out of his uh, target share was, like, 18%. Like, it was atrociously bad. And, uh, you know, you can say, oh, well, it was a new quarterback and Trey Lance had just gotten drafted. I, I'm not buying that. I think that he had some hand issues, and we've seen that so far. You know, uh, Watson kind of reminded me of uh, Javon Walker, if you remember him with the Broncos and the Dolphins back in the day. Had that great body size and the great speed. He could stretch the field, but not reliable catching the ball. And that's kind of where Watson is right now. Um, and that's that's the thing is, if you're the Packers, are you going to go, you know, draft wide receivers again? You know, second, third round? After you just went with Watson in the second, you went with Dubes in the in the fourth? And Dubes has played well. He had the fumble last week. You know, he's made his rookie mistakes, but he's been good and serviceable. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if I'm the Packers, right, and I'm like, you know, which is one of the premier franchises in football, right? Yeah. Like I, I you know, I've had Aaron Rodgers, and I'm gonna have Aaron Rodgers for the next few years. But I just think, I just think taking a chance on Will Levis, having him learn under Aaron Rodgers. You know, maybe keeping Jordan Love around as a backup, maybe, maybe trade him somewhere. You know, you know, see what you can get for Jordan Love. I mean, I, I, I would think probably someone would only spend like a fourth on Jordan Love or maybe a fifth on Jordan. Love. Yeah, would, at best. What would you give for Jordan? What would, what, what would you give for Jordan Love? Well, it's it, with, so the way that I kind of assess draft picks, right, in in trades is, can I get somebody better than this player with that draft pick? And if the answer is mm-hmm. no then I'm going to take the trade. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing with Jordan Love is, okay, is he a suitable backup? Because, you know, he started a game last year when Aaron had to miss it due to the COVID uh, against the Chiefs. And I know it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't have a great defense last year. But you went out there and you looked awful. You, you struggled bad. And so do I know – Do am I sure you're a serviceable backup? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm really not. So at best – 
you know, I might give a sixth round pick for Josh Love, right? Or Jordan Love right now. I would, I would, I would, I would give maybe like a fifth. I think fifth is my best offer. Yeah. See, uh, fifth I'm is not my sure. best offer because I'm thinking fifth round. I could potentially grab some dude out of uh, FCS or D2 school that kind of went under the radar that I'm going to de- develop up. Someone like uh, Baggett, for example, who I just I just published at a. Uh, on the mm-hmm. Draft Blitz website, his scouting report. He's on the Senior Bowl watch list. Jim Nagy's been talking him up. Somebody like that, yeah, I'd would, I would, I'd be like, oh, fifth, sixth round, I could potentially grab him, and I feel more comfortable with him than I do Jordan Love. Yeah, no, I, I understand I understand the other way you can go, and this is a good quarterback class, and so, yeah. I mean, that drives down the price for That drives down the price for Jordan Love, too. I mean, and maybe like a bad quarterback class. You know what I mean? Maybe you give up a fifth or a fourth for Jordan Love, but um, and you know you take the risk. But yeah, I mean he he's he's definitely like in that in that day three category right now, right? Like even after spending a first round pick on him. Um, so I mean I think you could say at this moment draft bust, right? Yes, I think I think that's fair at this point because when you take a first round guy, especially at the end of the first round, you know think about some of the dudes that have that people have taken the end of the first round to develop, like that Lamar Jackson, for example. Uh, that guy, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, no, no, you're right. You're expecting a guy that, you know, okay, maybe you don't start him year one. Maybe you sit him for a while, and you let him learn, you let him adjust to the NFL level, and you expect him to become a starter. And I think it's very clear that, you know, Love is kind of going in the same direction that Paxton Lynch went with the Denver Broncos in 2016, where... Love is Love might be able to stick around the NFL for a while, but yeah, it's a bust. He's not a starter somewhere. I mean, too. The other thing too is like maybe you want to protect Levis, and maybe you want to bring him into an NFL stadium, play him for some preseason games, see what you have in him, and maybe stash him kind of on the inactive list for a year. You know, what I mean, give him kind of that red shirt year at least to start and really roll with Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. That's. A, I mean, I, re- I really like <laughs> I guess I'm really fixated on this Green Bay. Packers you you stuff, like the idea of think... Will Levis being the quarterback of the future in Green Bay after Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, you can you can tell. <laughs> you can tell, I mean, from this conversation. If we can take anything from this conversation, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, so the reason why I like Levis better than I like Stroud, you know, because I think that was what okay. started this – you wanted to have this debate about was because I said that. Yeah. So the reason I like, what do you like? Yeah. What do you like about him more? So first of all, with Strout, like I think that Levis has a stronger arm than Strout does. Uh, I've seen Strout push the ball down the field, but not so with velocity. They sort of, the ball sort of loses its, um, its, its zip. As it gets down in the you know forty to fifty sixty yard range, which he can push the ball, I think affect. I think he can get it sixty yards. But are you talking about Levis or Shroud? Or uh, Levis? Shroud, Shroud. I don't think Shroud gets the ball down the field. Really? Yeah. I, oh man, I see. The thing is, the tape I'm seeing, and maybe I got to see the tape you're seeing, but the tape I'm seeing, he is just delivering it nice and crisp down the field. Nice, crisp, dropping it in the bucket. I really, I really, honestly, that's one of my favorite things about CJ Shroud is the way he drops it into the bucket. So. A lot of what I'm saying about Strout, I'm going to be straight with you, is based on what I saw against Notre Dame this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because I I had I didn't put on you know Ohio State watching Akron or playing Akron or any of those other schools that they have this year. 
the Notre Dame thing I think was a big deal. And, and you know, Notre Dame has their issues with their secondary too. And I, I think that touch is a really good thing that he does, and I think that's what's good. But when he has to drive a football into the middle of the field on a post, I don't see it. I can see him throw yeah, fade see, balls. They're, 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 okay, scouting is relative, and I just disagree with you on that. Yeah, that's okay. I just disagree with that's you. That's okay. On that. I, I, I respect I, you as a scout, but I disagree with you. I, I disagree with you on that feature of his game. That is that is just, we're in disagreement. <laughs> The thing with Levis, though, is the pocket composure, the way he stands in, he keeps the ball clear. He, it's close. It's it's not. He does, he's not going to fumble it from there. And the other thing, that's another thing I'm going to have to get into later. My ADD is kicking in. Forgive me, because um, I've got like three thoughts hitting me at the same time. I like Levis uh, in his pocket composure. I like the way that he works the pocket, and sort of keeps the play going. He's really good at extending the play from the pocket. Now, he can get outside the pocket. He's got the mobility to do it. You know, he ran for 317 yards last year, which when you consider college, consider sacks as rushing yards. That's pretty impressive. Um, and I don't I don't think that Strout has the same type of mobility that Will Levis has. Strout can move. He can extend the play, but and he can scramble a little bit. But he doesn't bring that power. He doesn't have that same sort of ability or desire to get downfield that Strout has. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I really like about him, and I, it, just to finish that thought too, it's almost you almost have to have that in the NFL net currently, that ability to tuck the ball and move down the field. Yeah, we have our Tom Brady's and our Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins is a great example of why that doesn't work. And I understand, like, when you brought up the Kirk Cousins point and you said, you know, you reminded you of Kirk Cousins, yeah, I could see it a little bit in terms of being conservative. The thing with Kirk is he cannot ex- he cannot uh, improvise to save his life. The guy is going to he's gonna either throw the ball away or he's going to try to force it somewhere when the play breaks down. And I think Levis can improvise, and I've seen that happen more and more, more often I, I than completely, not. I completely agree with that point, John. Mm-hmm. And go for go on, but I, I completely agree with that. He he is a great improviser. Like he is the, I mean, if anyone in this class can improvise, it's Will Levis, from what I've seen. It, in terms of the top three, four quarterbacks, he would be the best that I've seen. Like you yeah. know, Bryce Young, yeah. Bryce Young can improvise a little who, bit, but he's more of a he's more. Who's who's that fourth? Who's that fourth name that sticks in your mind? Is it the BYU quarterback or who? Who's that fourth name? We got Shroud, we got Young, we got Levis, and who's your fourth? Name? So yeah, no, I've been debating this, and I like the I like Jaron Hall, the BYU kid. I like him, but there's still some things I'm still I'm not sure about. I think for now, you know, this is. This is subject to change because, you know, there's still, you know, two-thirds of a season left to play and uh, a lot of games left and everything before I start making final assessments. But I, I like Devin Leary out of North Carolina State. And I don't think he's a first-round guy, but I think he's a guy that slides into the second. And somebody takes him the same way that they took Andy Dalton or Derek Carr or Drew Locke where you take him as a guy that you could bring in to compete in camp, but you're not expecting him to win the starting job. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, again, you know, do we need those quarterbacks, right? Like, we need, you know, we always want a quarterback of the future, right? Like, you can't just 
you can't just have a quarterback and now, right? Like you also have to have a future plan. I mean, not everyone has Mahomes or Allen, right? So, right. Um, and you know, and that's where their veteran QBs belong anyway in backup roles. So, well, John, I think I think we d- agree to disagree on CJ Shroud, <laughs> and uh, well, the future will tell, Ed. The future will tell. I think, I think, will tell. I think, I, I, I think the future will tell. But I do think I do think we are seeing a lot of the same things. No, yeah, I think the only difference that we have here in our you know, the way that we see C.J. Strout and Will Levis is I don't think this Strout has the arm, uh, and you do. And I think that's the real difference I, I, think, I, I mean, I mean, I think uh, the, word, the word I would use is rich man's Dwayne Haskins. Yes. That's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use the rich man's with Dwayne Haskins. And I think that's, we, that's, we that's, talked about that and, last and, time and, on the and, podcast, too, because, you know, I said in terms of a play style, he is Dwayne Haskins, just a better Dwayne Haskins. You know, and I think that's yeah one of the things that. But he's 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 my favorite. I mean, he's my he's my guy. I go with number one. Right? right. That's the difference between him and Dwayne Haskins, right? Like Haskins was like my best QB in a bad QB class. This is my best QB in a good QB class. All righty, welcome back, uh, Ed John. I really appreciate you guys doing that little breakdown for us. Um, we're gonna take take over this show with with Ed Hunt and I now. And Ed, staying on the uh, the conversation of college football, despite you know the the big wins again uh, early on in the season, and then beating the heck out of Auburn this last this last Saturday, you know, are the are the concerning and you know turnover heavy win uh, wins against Kent State and against Missouri are those enough to you know kind of hold you back on putting Georgia as the true number two ranked team in the country or, you know, a win's a win to you. And this undefeated Georgia team deserves to be the number two ranked. What are your opinions? This is my top three. I I honestly think Alabama should be the number one team in the nation. And I think Texas A&M should be number two um, after that game. And then I think number three should be Georgia. Um, That's, that's just, they're all great teams. They're all top of the SEC. They all play top schedules. They won't end up there. But right now, as things stand, I would say my number one is uh, Alabama. My number two is Texas A&M, who had the top recruiting class in the nation. And number three I don't think I could put them over the red-hot Buckeyes right now. C.J. Stroud had himself another six-touchdown night. I think that puts him in second place in all-time Ohio State passing touchdowns. And to be as young as he is doing what he's doing, I, I honestly, personally, might even put Ohio State at number two. You know, I'm, I'm going to say that Georgia absolutely deserves this number two ranking. And, you know, I couldn't put them anywhere outside the top three. And I think you couldn't agree with that based off of your ranking. You put them there at three. But... I, I think the the rough twenty two to forty nine win. It's funny that we say you know them giving up twenty two points to Kent State is a rough win, but you know they still managed over five hundred yards of total offense. Uh, the Missouri game was definitely the most questionable one of the season, and that one kind of was like, yo, is this Georgia team even close to what it was last season? I mean, they were down thirteen to nothing in the second quarter against Missouri. But the thing is, they were able to pull themselves out of an upset and win twenty uh, twenty six to twenty two. I think the the two common or the two uh, common factors between these you know tough games is something we don't see out of Georgia very often, and that's very he- turnover heavy games. They had five turnovers in the span of those two games. I mean, normally this Georgia team's a team that normally has like f- uh, plus five turnover differential in the span of two games. So 
I, I think that, you know, just, just slow down on the fumbling. Stetson Bennett has been playing pretty good. I think this team definitely deserves to stay at this rank. I mean, I think a lot of people get caught up on Georgia being, you know, kind of getting this Alabama treatment now, Ed. You know how they've been so dominant the last few years that the second they're not beating somebody 49-17, to 17, it's like, oh my god, what's going on? And I'm not going to lie, I'm a part of that. I like to, I, I, you know... No, yeah, because I mean, you just get so used to it. So when you see a team like Missouri, you know, go up, uh, go toe to toe with you know arguably the best team in college football, it's like, whoa, what's going on here? So I, I just think that we saw such a dominant Georgia team last year, and we can't forget the Georgia team we watched last year was historically one of the best college football teams to ever exist. Like that defense was out of this world. And I think we kind of expect them to recreate that. And I just, it's not possible. You lost two of the best players on your, or three, four of the best players on that defense. Um, you know, you still have Jalen Carter and stuff like that. But, you know, you lost Walker, you lost Nicobe Dean, you lost a lot of pieces. And I think we kind of expect that to carry on over. But we can't forget, they have, they have Stetson Bennett, who's playing at a high level. He's playing with resiliency uh, to, to be able to, a guy that was pretty much doubted his entire college football career until he became a national champion started off super rough, but you know that Missouri game was able to close the game out with 14 out of nine completions. I'm a big believer if it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So to be able to pull your team out of that, uh, you know, especially being a run-heavy team, to be able to be a guy to lead the passing uh, attack when it mattered the most shows a lot about the quarterback. I mean, you have the best tight end in the nation by a million miles in Brock Bowers. You have a good run game. You have, I mean, your tight end room in general is by far the best in the nation. And, I mean, they have a 173-point differential, Ed. Uh, I think if it's any other team in the country not named Georgia, I mean, if like you said, if this is a team like Texas A&M winning in this fashion and having two close games, I think people are going crazy and saying, oh my God, Texas A&M could be the best team. But because it's Georgia and we ex- expect this crazy perfection out of them, people almost look at it like a negative when they're barely winning games. But at the end of the day, they have a 173-point differential. I have... No, no doubt in the world that this team deserves to be uh, ranked number two still. Yeah, I, I just add on to that is that you know whenever you're a college football playoff team, you got to survive like two or three games. You know what I mean? There's going to be two or three opponents that are going to catch you by surprise, and you got to win those two or three games, right? You got to win the last possession, right? That's 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 just college football right like it can't it can't be a blowout every week you know what i mean it just it's impossible it's too hard to exactly and that's you know and, and to some extent that's just discrediting all the other talent in america you know that's just saying that oh just because you're not going to georgia these people aren't even good enough to make it a football game which is it's that's just ignorant to say i mean yeah, I mean, you're playing You're playing in the SEC, you're playing in the SEC, right? Like, you you know, every, I mean, especially, you know, these teams, Alabama and Georgia, I mean, they're like one and two, uh, you know, they, they, I mean, there's a lot of landmines, right? A lot, a lot of good SEC teams on your schedule, right? Like, I mean, LSU is like middle of the pack. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine LSU being the middle of the pack in the, LS, in the SEC. I mean, you say that to me like three years ago. You'd be ago. like, no, there's no chance. What are you talking about? Yeah, it. I mean, it's just... Yeah. SEC gets all the best recruits in the world, so it's just, you know, it, you were to take Georgia and Alabama out uh, and they're, they're, say they don't exist, there are so many teams out there that would be, look just as good. Do you know what I mean? It's just... 
Well, l let me ask you. Let me ask you a more specific question. You take Alabama and Georgia out of the SEC. Are they still the best conference? You know, I would say it's close with the Big Ten, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think there's an argument I mean, who, to be made. Definitely, I think it's just unfair for you know people to jump the gun and say, oh, Georgia has to win every, you know, by twenty plus points every single week to to be looked at as the number two team. I just think that's unfair. They're undefeated. Like I said, a hundred. 173 point differential this team deserves to be a top three team in the nation well ed let's let's carry it on over into the uh, nfl aspect of the show uh we kind of did a little bit of a fun topic here i asked you the question you know you get to pick one player in the nfl that is not a quarterback to build your franchise around who are you taking any player to build your franchise around you know you know a non-quarterback yep i i knew that was coming i and i want to and that's a fantastic <laughs> answer so let me let me hear your thoughts on it well i just think that you know in a three four defense that three four outside linebacker is just so crucial because number one they're you know they're they're key to your pass rush right they're rush linebackers um and we know how important a pass rush is to a football game and especially in the passing game we know what that matters to a passing game and edge rusher matters to a passing game and then you take the aspect of the fact that he's also you know uh, I mean, you know, they they have to they have to stop the run, right? Like they're they're one of the first, they're one of the first in defensive, you know, when you run the ball, um, you know, especially hold, you know, setting the edge, um, and then obviously, you know, sometimes you might ask him to even cover a tight end, you know what I mean? Tight, I mean, I I don't think this happens a lot, but I mean, there there are times where you ask a guy like DJ Watt to cover a guy like Travis Kelsey, right? So, um, you know, I I think I think yeah, I mean. I think it's 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 like it's it's there's no position in football that compares to the quarterback position, but if there is one, it's kind of the three four outside linebacker or the four three. I think even in a four three system, the blitz is a little different, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. I I completely completely agree with you, and I knew you were gonna say T.J. Watt at the start of this, so that's why I'm gonna give you two answers, and I'll kind of go uh, in between them. But T.J. Watt was one of my picks, and or Miles Garrett. I mean. I, I think, you know, I'll start with Miles Garrett. You know, obviously everybody out there knows I'm a Browns fan, but these either of these guys completely changed the complexion and the level of your defense and the way it's looked at, the way it's respected. I would argue there's no bigger game changers defensively than these two. I mean, when it comes to a game plan and how the opposing offense is going to game plan for that defense they're playing, there's just nobody that sh that alternates it or, you know, is caught, is is forcing you to change your offense to to the extent that these two guys are. I mean, yeah, a guy like Jalen Ramsey is going to, you know, take your number one receiver out of the game to to a pretty big extent. But when somebody is completely changing the sides that you're running your plays to, the types of plays you could run, strictly because of how much pressure they can put on you, I, I think that's just it's incomparable. It's incomparable to taking away one player on the field when you can completely take away plays you know what I mean so when it comes to Miles Garrett I think he's the best pure pass rusher and line disruptor in the game he faces an unruly amount of double teams which allows for guys like Clowney to find success and I think that's one of the advantages he has over TJ Watt where you know TJ Watt faces a lot more one-on-ones than a guy like uh, Miles Garrett get you know does because he's just I think slightly a little bit better of a true natural pass rusher and he's just so unbelievably physical and strong 
I mean, in his slightly over five-year career with the Browns, he's already second in all-time sack leaders. I mean, he's literally a sack away from being the all-time Cleveland Browns sack leader. Uh, I, I I don't think that all of the stat, the stats are uh, as consistent as, you know, a guy like TJ Watt to prove that he's that better pass rusher. And at the end of the day, if you were to tell me, I think TJ Watt's, you know, a little bit better of a true pass rusher. I'm not going to argue that with you because I, I kind of understand that comes down to a preference at that point. But, you know, it, the way that he changes a game plan, you could see it, especially in a game like, like Pittsburgh. You know, people are saying he didn't do anything in that Pittsburgh game. I'm like, well, go watch the type of offense Pittsburgh ran. They didn't run the ball to his side, like, barely at all. Every time that they were throwing the ball, it was a play action to Miles Garrett's side and then bootlegging it back to make sure that you're running away from Miles Garrett every single time. That's that's not just by chance that they're running it to that side. It's because Miles Garrett is on that side of the field and they have to run it opposite of him because he's just too good for, you know, a, the the Steelers offensive line right now. And, you know, the Chargers, they did a pretty good job at handling him today. Justin Herbert had great pocket awareness, but um I think that just the way that you have to force uh, your offensive plays opposite of him is unbelievable. Now, if I'm being completely honest, if I strip my bias from me, I, I'm probably taking the uh, more versatile TJ Watt over Miles Garrett. I really, and it, it pains me to say this, but the Steelers are 0-7 without TJ Watt. Since he's joined this football team, they have never won a game when he is not on the field. That is unbelievable to me. He is such a game changer. Uh, I think that he, you know, when it comes to pass coverage, like you said, sometimes you're asking this guy to drop into coverage and cover tight ends, and he's averaging like an interception a season. Miles Garrett is just a true pass rusher. That's all you're asking him to do. He's a pass rusher. He's not even a great run stuffer. And that's another advantage that I really would give over TJ Wise, how much better of a run defender he is than Miles Garrett. I mean, for crying out loud, T.J. Watt is the all-time single-season sack leader. That's that's not coming just by pure luck, you know what I mean? I mean, Ed, you know how dominant this guy is as a run mm-hmm. defender and a pass rusher, and that's not something I can say about Miles Garrett. I, I You can't go wrong, mm-hmm. you know, taking either of these guys. And like I said, I just... I don't think there's a guy offensively that you can take that's not a quarterback that changes the complexion of a defense as much as these guys are changing an offense. I mean, you could say a guy like Justin Jefferson, you know, had 150 yards today, but they they barely scraped that game and barely beat the Bears. A guy like Nick Chubb consistently has over 100, 100 scrimmage yards, but the Browns just can't simply win because of it. But Miles Garrett's been hurt the past couple of weeks. He hasn't been a part of the game. And look at us now. When he can't get pressure, we can't do anything. I just think that, like you kind of said, these edge rushers are the most valuable thing outside of a quarterback. I'll give you another player. Uh, a Super Bowl champion from last year, uh, Cooper Cup. That's a guy who can take over a game. You know what I'm saying? That's a guy who uh, can be dominant, win battles, You know, I mean, get separation, uh, put up big stats. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind starting a team. I mean, he's still relatively young. Starting with team with Cup. No, I, I I completely agree with that answer. If I were to take an offensive player, it's probably Cooper Cup. I mean, we, there's no denying what he did last season and the run he had in the playoffs and what he did in the Super Bowl. Every single time he had to be that that big player, he was. And that's a, that's the thing. There's a lot of guys out there that will get all the numbers when it doesn't really matter. When it comes down to it the most and they need to make a play, they're just not there. Cooper Cup is a guy that is just there every single time you need him. 
But no, I, I completely agree with that offensive pick of Cooper Cup. Ed. I, I don't think, you know, there's another receiver in football that can just take over a game and be there in the big moments like Cooper Cup has. And, you know, it's it's been a rough start for the Rams this season, but Cooper Cup is still proven he's that dude. So I think defensively, you and I completely agree that I think the best pick is definitely a guy of TJ Watts level. You know, like I said, I don't think there's a DB that changes the complexion of a team's offense um, like a guy like... Uh, you know, compared to how a D end or a outside linebacker like TJ Watt. And I mean, this is this is this is kind of a segue, but uh, who who is your number one cornerback in football right now? Right now, I mean, call me crazy. Uh, you know, actually, right now, I'll, it's hard, but I'll give you. I think Patrick Sertain has a chance to be the best cornerback in football, and he is week in week out proving to me that he is just years above his level. I mean, for a guy to be in his second year, and there's no dispute that he's outside the top three. He's a top three corner, no ifs, ands, or buts. And I think right now you have to put Darius Slay in there as well. Um, And then, you know, based on, I know it's been a rough patch, but it's hard to not mention Jalen Ramsey's name in there. But playing the best right now, I really might argue it's PS2 for the Denver Broncos. Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, because to be honest with you, I, I don't think there is a clear number one in football right now. No, there's 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 just a handful playing at such a high level. I mean, even the Eagles. Eagles have two of the top three highest graded corners, if you want to go based off of, like, numbers. James Bradbury and Darius Slay are one and three, with PS2 being at two. I, I think that there's, you know, even a few guys outside of the four that we've mentioned that you could, you know, make a legitimate argument for. So I, I think as of right now, it's just a matter of opinion. But alrighty, Ed. Well, we're going to have to see next week if, uh, if PS2... Can can lock down that number one cornerback spot. I mean, I I am hoping that this the Broncos defense figures it out and you know because he's gonna have to step up if he wants to earn that number one cornerback spot um, outside of Darius Slay, outside of James Bradbury. He's gonna have to step it up big time with this super injured Broncos defense. And I think that the Eagles are gonna have to you know if they want to hold that that number one cornerback position down then they're gonna have to find a way to be a six uh, a five and oh team so ed i appreciate you being on the show today it's always a pleasure with your brother um you know i'm i knew for a fact we were both gonna come down to the conclusion of tj watt i mean nobody's a bigger mm-hmm. game changer than him in the league and you know it hurts it pains my heart to give that much credit to a steelers fan especially when i'm taking him over miles garrett for crying out loud but yeah ed, i mean it really hurts not having him right now, especially with the schedule we got. Right. I mean, it's it just doesn't get any easier for you guys from here on out, you know. So hopefully you get him back soon. I, I As much as it, you know, pains me he's on the Steelers, I love watching that guy play football. So um, hope the recovery ha- has, you know, uh, happened soon enough for you guys. But uh, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Blitzcast, and we'll be back with you next week.